0: What up, Pastor Alex? We are live. Let's do this. It is hot. Hot. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the MGC podcast, where we desire to go deep into the Christian faith. My name is Alex Portillo, and I am your host. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jackie about being like-minded. He is going to be defining for us what it means to be like-minded, why humility is important to be like-minded, and how fear can threaten all of these things. Thank you for tuning in today. Enjoy.
1: You can be propelled to do things out of fear that you would not do, that you would also do out of love. So you could be united with someone out of fear the same way you could out of love. You could endure things that you wouldn't normally endure because of fear the same way you would out of love. Fear is a motivating factor in a lot of of our decisions.
0: When I hear people say, we must be like-minded, it often feels like what they're truly desiring is uniformity. Is uniformity what Paul has in mind when he commands the Philippians to be like-minded?
1: I have worked at several boarding schools, uh, Adventist boarding schools. And dress code has always been like the worst thing to discuss when I, I remember hours and hours discussing dress code and at one point going from you can wear um, anything you want to you can wear we we have we're gonna take the school in the direction of a uniform and we're gonna have a uniform company and then parents were like those stupid uniforms are too expensive okay fine go to Walmart but you got to buy this color tan pants and you got to buy this color blue shirt and the goal I think of uniforms was to bring everyone to some sense of parity so that the haves and the have-nots were not necessarily distinguishable from each other and what we allowed kids to do when they when we had like a strict uniform, you could wear whatever shoes you wanted. You could wear whatever belt you wanted. You could accessorize in any way possible. But you still had to have the same shoes, I mean the same shirt and the same pants on. Same color. I, I, and one time there was even a skort, which was horrible skorts. Horrible, horrible ideas, people. Don't do it. Don't do it. I say that because I, I think in the Christian world we have this mentality that when it comes to theology, when it comes to our walk with Christ, that we should all be uniformed. And that's not biblical. That's not what we see here. We see God approaching people individually and where they are, and he doesn't do it the same way. It doesn't look the same way. They don't respond the same way. They even do ministry differently. You know, look at the the argument between between Paul and and Barnabas about doing ministry. The goal is the same. That's the uniformity. the the function of how you get there. That's that's individual and that's that's a gift of the Spirit. So I think what it, what we what we should be talking about is the goal. The goal is the same. The goal of bringing the uniformity part of the Christian church is bringing people to a knowledge that Jesus Christ died for their sins. How do we get there? With you right now, you're doing it through this podcast. You're doing it through, through Bible studies. You're doing it through so many other m- modes and mediums that I don't do. But are we one in spirit? I'm going to say yes, we are, because our goal is to enrich the lives of people that we come in contact with. And our theology may not be exactly the same. Why? Because my framework for life, where I came from, is different than yours. But the thing that unites us is the love of Jesus. So when, what, what we talk about here when it says, uh, when you ask the question, is uniformity, uniformity in the sense of purpose, not in the sense of how we get there. And I think we're so focused. That's, that's the thing that externally focused on how we get there should look the same. Um, that's why people label churches. Well, that church is liberal. Well, that church is conservative. Well, that church is whatever. If that church is connecting people to Jesus Christ if that church is meeting the needs of the people, if that church is ministering to the widows and the orphans, then the uniformity that we have is in Christ and in his purposes. How can
0: we be of one mind without sacrificing individuality?
1: Individuality is the flavoring of our relationship. The music I like, Alex, is different than the music you like. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. The verses that hit me, the Bible verses that that just drive me to my knees and bring me to a place of reflection are different than the ones for you. So I think individually we need, and you said, you used the word sacrifice. (laughs) Uh, I I think you baited me there. I think you baited me. I think that was an intentional word. Because when we hear the word sacrifice, it's as if we're giving up something that we truly want. That we truly like, I value my individuality. I think if we look at the text, if we have any encouragement in Christ, if being a Christ follower has meant anything to you at all, then here, here is a, here's what we share in common: that we have to be like-minded in Him and His purposes. The disciples were not like-minded; they were a lot in the same in the same circumstances, but they were not like-minded. So sacrifice, mm, sure. Yeah, we're supposed to sacrifice. That's, that's a purpose. Why does
0: Paul urge the Philippians to be like-minded by first reminding them about their experience with Jesus? What does their experience with Jesus have to do with being like-minded?
1: What does Jesus want from us? He wants us, A, to know him. He he wants us to know him and to know his heart and to know, and in that knowing, in that vulnerability of knowing him and him knowing us, we experience the full acceptance love of Jesus Christ. And if there's anything that's going to change us, change the world, it is that perspective. If there's anything that's going to unite people, And this is what I I think, um, why does this experience with Jesus have to do with them being like-minded? We know that the church then is like the church now, diverse. The haves and the have-nots, the slaves and the masters, the citizens and the non-citizens. But what is uniting this group of people is Jesus. And so that's why it's important for them to keep that in focus. It's always easy to say, well, I'm a Roman citizen and you're not. That's the go-to. They were born with that. That's the natural tendency. But what happens when you subtract your citizenry of earth and you put your citizenry in heaven? Then everybody's on the same walking playing field. Everyone's elevated to the same height. And there is no haves and have-nots. There are no slaves and the masters. There are no Roman citizens non-citizens. All we have is people of God. Accepted, redeemed, loved the same. One of the things I asked this morning in my devotional time and and working on this was why do we assume sometimes that the murderer is worse than the liar?
0: I think it's because uh, maybe we have this conception that um, (laughs) this is a very nasty illustration. We have this idea that maybe a little bit of pee in our water is not as bad as a lot of pee in as our a water. a whole jug? Yeah. Still pee in that water.
1: <laughs> Your question is, why does Paul urge them to be like-minded first? He urges them to understand where they are with Jesus Christ, that, that all of them are in the same boat, that without Jesus, they are all in trouble, regardless of how low or how high, regardless if there's a, a little contamination in the water, or if the whole jug is contaminated. And so when we when we have that perspective that Christ died for both the great and the small, and the playing field is is level, then it's it's easy and it's hard to come to that realization. Because it means then you have to sacrifice self, which he gets to. Which, which is that you have to sacrifice your own your own view of yourself being humble I was I was reading a definition this morning that I absolutely hated because it was so wrong I mean it was literally saying being self-abased like thinking of yourself as worthless that's not what it means to be humble being and I love this definition being humble doesn't mean, thinking of yourself as less it's thinking of yourself less and that is a struggle so being like minded if i'm striving for christ to be in me in such a way that i think of you more than i think of me and you're striving for the exact same thing that's the like that's that's where we that's where we meet up in the middle that's where that like mindedness like minded goal comes in how we get there don't know that's a Jesus directed thing. But the like-mindedness comes in that struggle, in that everyday realization, and that Holy Spirit working within us.
0: Yeah, last yesterday when you and I were sitting in the boardroom mm-hmm. right before staff meeting, and I said, Yo, Paul's making up words. I, I I was reading the text in 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 Greek to prepare for our interview. And I noticed that just like in Timothy, when Paul says the scriptures God breathed and Mm -hmm. he makes up that word in this text. When he talks about how the King James version says it to be one accord, the Greek word there's also made up. And it's Mm. a word of two words, one and the Greek word suke one flesh, similar to the word that you use in Genesis for marriage. And they shall become one flesh. And you know, there there's this illustration of the church being like a body, But here, Paul is almost making it like a marriage. Mm. And while body, it's hard to see how the hand would disagree with the leg. In a marriage, it's easy to see how a spouse would disagree with the other spouse. Get
1: out of my house. Get out of
0: my house. (laughs) And when and in my marriage, there are moments when we disagree heavily. But like you say, we have the same goal. We want to make this marriage work. We want to make sure we build not just a house, but a home. We want to decorate the house. We want it to be beautiful. We might disagree on what that looks like. We both, when we have kids, we're going to want to make good citizens, kids that are good people, but we might disagree on how we get there. But at the end of the day, if we focus more on that disagreement rather than on the fact that we both have a common goal, then that's when the
1: marriage starts to fall apart. Well, verse 3 bears that out when it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing is going to work if you're only thinking about yourself. It's just not going to work. If if I think I've got all the answers and everyone should live life by Jackie's rules. This church should run by Jackie's rules. So I'm going to put my rules on the door. How in the world does that show respect and and love and compassion to people who have a different life framework than mine? To people who are seeking the same God and wanting to please the same God as I do. But my rules are the rules that should govern. That doesn't work in a house. That doesn't work in a true marriage. That's not the and, and it won't work in in relationships. And it's it it's not it doesn't work with Jesus. Um By the way, Jesus is the only relationship that we have where we don't get to make the rules. Every other relationship, you get to negotiate the rules, right? Right. This is the one relationship that we don't get to negotiate the rules. We have to take it as it's given to us and we have to learn what that means.
0: Although you've already answered this question,
1: what does humility
0: have to do with all of this?
1: it is where we need to be we need to be striving to think of ourselves less to think of others more to a word I used in the devotional was to be vulnerable until we learn, I don't want to be
0: vulnerable pastor I don't want to be vulnerable to do I. I, I don't want that's not how my generation dealt with manliness I know look a man's got to be a man
1: you're right. A man's got to be a man. And it wasn't until I learned what that meant that I was able to actually have man-type relationships with people, that I was able to be both a true friend and also a true Christian. Christianity is the act of being vulnerable. It's the act of—when when when we baptize someone, It's it's—they actually say this way before, which is before the baptism, but— But it's a public acknowledgement of someone saying, I am messed up. And in front of these witnesses, I am saying that the only one who can make me right is Jesus. And I accept what he has already done for me. Not what he's going to do, not what he could do, what he's already done on the cross and at the resurrection. I don't want to be vulnerable, but it's only through true vulnerability that we experience true community with Christ. And that's hard because you, you are, I know you're joking like tongue in cheek, but you are right. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't. But it, it is only within vulnerability that we're able to both give and receive true love. And with that, humility. That drives our humility.
0: How can fear threaten unity and humility?
1: So I'm just going to say the text that everybody's thinking of. Perfect love. Cast out all fear. A Christ-like love, a a love guided by Christ, casts out fear. Fear is a really interesting emotion. You can be propelled to do things out of fear that you would not do, that you would also do out of love. So you could be united with someone out of fear, the same way you could out of love. You could endure things that you wouldn't normally endure because of fear, the same way you would out of love. Fear is a motivating factor in a lot of our decisions. I'm listening to this great book where the author says people don't fear change, they fear loss. And right now, since you're gonna put me on the spot, right now I think people are fearing loss. We are all fearing loss. And we're trying to recapture what we believe we have lost. Whether it's in, we fear we've lost our freedom uh, to worship. We fear we've lost our individuality in in having to wear masks. And that's why, one of the reasons why masks come in all shapes, sizes, colors is because people want to be individualistic. We fear we've lost, uh, some people have lost hope because they see the world in such drab negativity. But I'm looking out, Today and it's a little gray and it's a little overcast, but you know what? I also see the sun. And for some people, they can't see the sun. All they see is a drab and overcast. And if you ask them to to describe the day, they would never say I see the sun. They would also they would say, I see the drab and overcast. So fear also blinds us to the tr- to some of the bigger realities around us. Your question was how can fear threaten unity and humility? Is because fear can can blind us can bind us, can be a motivating factor for all the wrong reasons. Where love, love feeds and love is what makes true humility possible. By the way, I can think of you before I think of me out of fear, not out of love. So my motivations are fearful and not loving. So it's not truly out of my heart that I give to you. It's because I fear you. A king can make an alliance
0: with another kingdom, not for the sake of peace or just friendliness, but out of fear of another threat. And this happened a lot in the Old Testament, particularly in the Book of Kings, where the kings would make alliances Uh, in fear of Assyria, not in love to their neighbor. Yes.
1: As we read through this book, Paul is continually battling with them for kingdom um, characteristics. Humility is a kingdom characteristic. It's a characteristic that we see in Jesus. And so because it's a characteristic we see in Jesus, it's something that we should want to replicate not artificially, but by submitting to the Holy Spirit and have him continually speak to us and have him continually work within our hearts. I cannot generate humility. I can only generate selfishness. It is only the Holy Spirit to work within us that can generate humility, true humility, not behavior, but true selfless living that matters. And that's why I can threaten unity. That's why I can threaten community. That's why I can threaten a church. That's why I can threaten a marriage. That's why it is a disastrous route. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor Jackie. Listen, I wasn't intended to preach, but you made me do it. So, um, Pastor Alex, thank you so much. Uh, love the podcast. Love the questions. And uh, I look forward to hearing how you're going to get Pastor Johnny to, uh, to talk about next week.
0: Let me tell you, I'm praying
1: for him. The, uh, the hymn. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not preaching it, but I'm not sorry. I'm not preaching it. So I feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thank you so much, my brother.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of the MGC podcast. If you haven't done so yet, go to iTunes and leave us a review or follow us on Instagram. MGC underscore podcast. I know that it seems like a small and insignificant thing, but it really helps us and it helps others find us. Well, my friends, grace and peace to you.